0: You're listening to the Geek Legacy Escape Pod.
1: The crew coming together and gelling and becoming this, like, you know,
2: intergalactic family that we know and love. And wacky mayhem ensues. It just feels like they're trying so hard. To capture the fans of the original series. Yeah, that was hot garbage. It, he just got like weird, like creepy uncle weird. That was a bold choice. I just, yeah, I, I had fun with it. <laughs> sure it was the 80s. It must be so bad that they just never it.
1: <laughs> you won't make it in the future, do they I guys? don't think so, no. I am not a Toshiar fan. That's probably the
2: nicest thing I will say. That is absolutely perfect way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. Hey there geek boys and girls. Welcome back to Geek Legacies Escape Pod. I'm your host Randy Van Dyke and I am joined by Mr. Justin Cavender. How you doing this evening? I am fabulous, Randy. Thank you. And Mr. David Edmondson, what you up to, sir?
1: I am amazing. I apologize to our viewers. I uh, I made our last episode go along with my funny tangents and uh, now we're all tired. So uh probably be a quick one. So uh, I'm I am uh, I'm doing good. Hopefully Randy stays awake. It's only 12:30 yeah.
2: in the morning. <laughs>
1: my screen froze like a couple hours ago so on my screen you
2: are actually sleeping randy so (laughs) (laughs) oh perfect yeah that sounds about right (laughs) well cool yeah i'm going to try to uh pilot this little ship uh in and out of the black void of space as quickly as possible um so here we are here we are in season two star trek the next generation episode two where silence has lease where according to imdb it was rated 7.1 stars which is actually fairly high and uh, I'm going to be the first to, to say publicly here that I really don't think it deserves that, uh, that higher rating. But anyway, just a little blurb about the episode. It was originally aired on November 28th, 1988. And it says, The Enterprise encounters a mysterious void in space, and when they move in closer to investigate further, it envelops them and they can't get out. Of all the little blurbs that we've read, I think that one feels like it was written by like a, a child. <laughs> you know, it just feels so super basic. And this, and this, and that, and that's and, and that's just me criticizing the blurb, much less you know the episode. So at least there's no like space rape in this one, so I, I guess it has, I guess it has a little bit of a uh, of an advantage over the previous episode that we watched but so yeah um here we see the enterprise crew doing what you know all star trek crews have been supposed to be doing you know charting uncharted space and they're going off to this like it's not really a black hole it's just like a black section of space it's just dark there's no light there's no stars there's nothing there it's a black hole without being called a black hole from the sound of it and um of course you know scientific Curiosity being what it is, they want to get closer and check it out, and they start firing probes into it, only to to realize that they're. it Sounds dirty when you say it like that. But, fire another probe. Fire another
1: probe. Fire another probe. This, t-
2: this time, fire a smart one in. Them. <laughs> and then, and then they just disappear, and then they it cuts off all all transmission. So give it a um, few minutes, and then and then fire another probe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey, poke it with the stick, and if it doesn't move, (laughs) give it a minute and poke it again. You know, so as if we haven't had enough problems with big blobby black ominous things, at least this one, you know, doesn't. Actually, this one does turn out to speak, but at least he's not like covered in icky tar. Um... We might (laughs) as well have been. That yeah, face this one, was stupid, dude. It was, it was ridiculous. It looked like, uh, what's that thing, Annoying Orange, where it's like human lips and eyes on, like superimposed on an orange. Right. Um, yeah, so this, this thing, which uh, went on to be known as Nagillum, which is funny because it was originally supposed to be played by actor uh, Richard Mulligan who you might remember from sitcoms of the eighties and, and early nineties. Um, and Mulligan is spelled backwards. Nagillum, the name of the oh, creature. Wow. Black void. So there's a fun little tidbit from uh, Wikipedia about the episode, but um, yeah. So it, it, we find ourselves with another like strange alien entity that just wants to understand humans. And first they, you know, so the enterprise gets sucked into this black void and they can't get out. And, you know, they try like going every direction and they're just not making any headway. They leave like a little like marker probe down. They go in one direction and then they kind of come back to it. So it's just like this never ending uh, labyrinth, essentially. And uh, it's like they're being tested. They kind of realize that they're the rats in the maze at a certain point in time. And um, it's like they're being observed just to learn about humanity. And this just feels kind of in a way, again, without the space rape, like 99.9% less space rape in this episode. Um, There's a curious, bizarre alien entity that cannot be made up of tangible matter. And they're wanting to know more about humans. So it's like, let's torture these poor people. Doctor Pulaski does not treat Data with any more respect in this episode. She's still a total dick to him. Oh Oh, man, I I actively hated her in
1: this episode. Like it was palpable. Like even when she the first time she walks on the bridge, she like looks at him in disgust, and then the way she talks about him, I'm like, you, I'm never going to like you now. Like there is nothing redeemable about you. And even when you come to terms later on the season and realize that Data is an important member of the crew, I will still hate you, Dr. Pulaski.
2: Justin mentioned something cool before we started recording the show. Um, He noticed that her name was on the credits, like not with the regular cast members, the regular crew members of the ship. She's like a special guest kind of thing or like guest starring kind of. And almost from the beginning kind of warning us that don't worry, she's temporary. You know, we're just testing it out see how it works. Don't get pissed. But here we are two episodes in, and I already want to shove her in an airlock. You know, I want to, I want to just launch her as far away from the ship as possible.
0: I I guess I'm just curious why they chose. I mean, that had to have been a creative, it's creative choice to write her character that way. Right. They, they had to think it was some sort of good idea or, but I
2: don't understand
0: why they thought it was a good idea. So, here's so this where data I think is so lovable.
2: Go for it. I know. I know. Here's where I think it's ultimately leading. And this is coming from a position of not remembering what the shit happens in season 2, and I really don't know where this goes and I really don't know what's in store for the for the Dr. Pulaski character, except that I just know she's around for this one season. But I'm thinking because this is set in such a distant future that racism is essentially eradicated in in the star trek universe right like like people of earth are genuinely you know generally treated pretty equally but if they wanted to in the context of that show um talk about the idea of racism or you know xenophobia or classism of any kind any kind of ism like that that separates uh two types of people um they're setting it up so that there can be some bigotry or some some species or racism uh, between Pulaski and Data and Android that she sees no life in whatsoever.
0: That's a really interesting point, Randy. Because and it's a good thing that we're all uncomfortable around her and we don't like her. Uh, you know, she's she's literally just this Karen on the Starship Enterprise. It's like, <laughs> right. oh, fuck, get out of here, lady. No one yeah. likes you. I you exactly, know everyone hates you, right? Point
1: her having a bad encounter with like uh, some kind of Android, like they took her job or something.
0: Right. Okay, I'm curious, especially yeah, get it, to the episode with the hearing and like, is his data, you know, just Federation property or is he his own being, you know, that'll be interesting.
2: Yeah. I, I'm really curious to see how they're going to try to make her redeemable because as, as you guys have pretty much already said, like by my two episodes in, she's irredeemable in, in my eyes. And, um, you're going to have to do a hell of a lot to, to want to invite that drunk uncle back to, to Thanksgiving.
0: Right. I think now that you, know, you mention it, Randy, with this, this bigotry and, and, and possible, you know, we'll, we'll call it racism, but a lot of that stems from ignorance, right? She's never been to our knowledge. She isn't used to being around data a one of one of a kind, right? Mm-hmm. So her idea of an Android or of anything like that is it's just a dumb computer. So she, she in her own way, is ignorant. She's not stupid. She's just ignorant and needs to to be educated on why data is, you know, so special. And it's just frustrating to see someone uh, have to go through those motions, you know. It, it is perfectly normal of us to have very little patience for someone like this. And it, it you really, I, honestly, I feel like you got it. I, I'm impressed that you figured that out because I was just... Like I fucking hate this character, and that's all there was to it. I wasn't prepared to uh, investigate why she this character
2: was written the way that she was. I just knew that I didn't like it. So the way she sees data, she see okay. So she 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 in this scenario is an actual doctor, let's say, and she sees data as WebMD. Like, right? Yeah, you can't you can't <laughs> trust that. You can't self diagnose, you know. And she just wants to to discredit anything that he's about. No, I'm joking when I say that, of course, but
0: I, I, you are. But in, the, in a lot of ways, it's true because I mean, they Riker and Picard even asked him, like, hey, can you have you ever seen anything like this before? And he's like, accessing and he's just like being his own self Google machine, you know, mm-hmm. like if you were to Google black mark in space and see what comes <laughs> up. <laughs> and so it is also kind of see interesting,
2: staying in space, right? Right, right.
0: So, I mean, he's literally a giant database of. Yeah this cataloged information that he has access to. Uh, he is literally the Google machine on on the Enterprise.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that she wasn't in the episode that much, or at least if she was, I've completely blocked it out at this point. But at least the episode wasn't centered around her. So right. um, I have a hard time really kind of picking out who this. If if we were to say this is one cast members or one crew members episode, I have a real hard time uh designating who that is i don't think
0: there is a
1: winner on that. Yeah, i don't think, so. I don't think okay. yeah i don't think this has an episode about anyone and, and that'll happen i don't think i think some of the episodes you know will be like this to where you know like the child the first episode you know was about troy you know it was her you know getting impregnated having a baby and stuff like that uh to where this was a an episode that was shared by all
2: okay yeah So So no points um, are awarded
1: on that regards.
2: No points awarded for main characters. How about secondary characters? Probably no as well, just because it was a whole ensemble. it Never got any deeper than that.
1: Correct. So So I know. Yeah. I mean, I can do the score now or I thought I'd do it at the very end. But uh, if you want, I can uh, I can update the scoreboard for you. Can
0: can we we go ahead and do. Can can we we just talk about Worf and and Riker's like holodeck experience really fast? (laughs) Oh, sure. And how Worf just went straight up primal rage and he was ready to just eat Riker
2: feast <laughs> on his organs and he's like whoa stand down And the exercise like, is over yeah are your calisthenics always this intense he's like no <laughs> usually they're a little bit more exhilarating or whatever he says right it's almost like a like a boss
0: battle where as you know you start to defeat the different phases they get stronger and stronger and stronger and Warp yeah. was almost defeated and then he comes back like
2: raw now I'm
0: angry And he's fueled by that rage, and he got strong. And it is funny because Riker is always like holding his own, and he's strong, and he's a badass, and he can beat up a lot of people. So when when we think of Klingons and how strong they are, I just it's interesting to see them almost on a level playing field. Where I just in my head I always thought they were more like a Jason Voorhees and just had that little extra, you know, strength. And I didn't see it because the fight stopped before it escalated to that that point.
2: Do you think Worf intentionally, like, deactivates the safeties on the holodeck just so he can feel pain or he can bleed? Probably. They have that whole yeah. pain stick thing.
0: <laughs> or yeah, kind of just, like, right.
1: Into it. <laughs> just, just Riker's I, I think it more, more from the guise of if it's not, if he, if he knows it's not real and he's not afraid for his life, he can't fully engage to where I think mm. he just needs those safeties taken off. So there is that risk. So he knows he has to be on his toes. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. I, I just remember that. That's how the episode started. So it started off high, but the monster, uh, what'd you call him, McGillicuddy or whatever? He was, he sucked.
2: McGillum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. We, were, we were joking earlier at lunch, Dave and I, about how, like, on Conan O'Brien, how it was like, you know, like Bill Clinton would be on the show, but it would just be like a, like a cardboard cutout and then basically <laughs> a mouth right. that just kind of moves, you know, still image of, 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 Clinton and then just this niha. Yeah. I bang that broad yeah. kind
2: of voice. Yeah. This is this is terrible nineteen eighty eight CGI <laughs> like T V CGI to make it worse, like not even movie CGI. It's just oof. And
0: yeah. you said on IMDB this was a seven point one.
2: Seven point one, can you believe it?
0: That sounds high.
2: It does sound, well, somebody was high.
0: Right. But... <laughs> uh
2: first time director first time writer for for this yes. episode uh the director was was winrich colby and the writer was jack b swords who uh has not written or directed any of other episodes of the series so far and um, it is interesting I, the
1: director if you if when you look him up he he directs the series finale all good things um uh, as well as the pilot for uh voyager called caretaker uh, so he becomes a very prominent um, Star Trek director.
2: Yeah, so I'm looking at uh, at the Wikipedia pages, and he he actually does direct four episodes this season. So he's going to do three more. So it looks like he becomes a uh, Star Trek staple. And, you know, just because the effects were cheesy on this one and it wasn't a particularly great story, we do have to keep in mind that this was during the writer strike. Again, we mentioned it last week when we were talking about the first episode of the season and being that it was essentially recycled from a canceled 1970s Star Trek TV series. I have to imagine that maybe this one wasn't as good as it could have been because they were kind of scraping the writing barrel for this one as well, which is which also might explain why I don't see this particular writer for any more episodes. Right. So yeah, maybe it's a one and done kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So,
1: he directed 16 next generation episodes, 14 DS, DS nine episodes, 20 Voyager episodes and one enterprise episode. Wow.
2: Nice. So, I mean, that's, that's absolutely respectable. So, uh, I can only say we can go up from here, I imagine, but let's, let's go into, uh, some more of the stuff that we see inside of the We see a Romulan ship that they destroy with one hit, you know, um, which I think technically gives credit to whoever has Romulans on their, their bingo card, right? That's
1: right, and that's me.
2: Fantastic. There you go. You get a point.
1: Um, get even though we didn't see any Romulans. The
2: we didn't see any of those pointy-eared fucks, or whatever they call them in the movies. Uh, those Romulans. So um, That's racist. Yeah. I, that's terrible. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I heard Dr. McCoy call him something similar. Maybe he didn't use yeah. the F-bomb, but... You know, he was kind of a crotchety old man. Yeah, they called him like, uh, like pointy-eared goblins and shit like that. So, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't pulling that out of nowhere. I swear <laughs> that came out as Easy, Pulaski. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Cold hand of an android. <laughs> Data. Oh,
1: um,
0: yeah. Man, she's just terrible. Holy shit. I'm sure so the then, lady, what's her name? Something Mulder. I forget her name, but... I'm sure she's finding woman uptown all the way, but her character of Dr. Pulaski is uh, a wretched human.
2: Yeah, it's worth mentioning that we have kind of an instance of a red shirt randomly dying. Like the first time you see a particular like crew member up on the bridge, like doing something cool, and he's even got some lines, and we're like, "Hey, who's this guy?" And as soon as you say that, boom, he gets killed by Nagilum, just to to prove that. You know the danger is real, and basically just so he could basic so he could experience what human death was like.
1: Right? Why isn't when you're like why isn't Wesley Crusher piloting this, this <laughs> ship? <in the> <laughs> why it,
2: yeah. Why is it Ensign Haskell? And yeah. and why is he the only black person on the bridge right now? <laughs> and right. then he just dies. It's terrible. Yeah. It's it, it was it was pretty cheesy and kind of predictable. And after they destroy the Romulan ship, then uh, the Enterprise's sister ship appears which is basically just an excuse to use like the exact same model of the of the enterprise to have two of them on screen and um as if they were continuing their their intense uh calisthenics uh session uh Riker and wharf uh transport over there to go check it out and see what's up and find essentially a, a labyrinth like an endless maze of hallways and then when they get into the bridge every single door leads to yet another bridge um and then the transporter cannot bring them back to the enterprise. And then then Negilum's taunting them, opening a little slit, a little crack to see space through there. Like, hey, here's your way out, but you're gonna have to leave these two assholes behind because your transporters don't work. So it was like a test to see if they would leave their men behind kind of thing. Um and I don't know, it got kind of old pretty quick. Um Let's go. You guys want to kind of. Is there anything else you want to say about it before we, we rate it and, and we finish scoring uh, the instances of, of fun stuff that popped up in this episode? Which I'm going to say is pretty rare.
0: I, I do like how they had to, how they thought to put down the beacon just so they yeah. could have a measure of, of distance and how far they traveled. Uh, I did think that was pretty smart.
2: Yeah. And, and then the way that they came right back around to it, even though they went in a straight line, right. was totally mirrored in the fact that, you know, we went from the bridge through the door to another bridge kind of thing. And it was all continuously again, just a straight line. Right. So I, it was pretty I, cool how they did that.
0: There were some fun elements, but at the end of the day, this episode didn't do jack shit for me. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I will agree with you there. Um, let's go ahead and go over the scoring and we'll save the voting for the end.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, like Randy mentioned, uh, the old, So, uh, you know, as you guys remember, uh, just to remind everyone uh, one more time uh, for our draft we did last week, we each picked one main character, two side characters, and an alien race. And any time that alien or its ship shows up in the show, we get a point. And any time an episode revolves around one character, um, one of the characters we picked, we got a point. Uh, So to remind everyone, Randy has Riker Guinan, who does not appear in this episode, and Pulaski. Uh, And Klingons are his uh, alien of choice. Justin has Picard, Geordi, Troy, and the Q Continuum is his uh, alien of choice. I have Data, Worf, Wesley Crusher, and the Romulans uh, is my alien of choice. And, of course, the Romulans did show up the bird of prey. uh, Even if it was a construct, it does count. Uh, So I got one point. Um, Our tiebreaker is uh, the number of times engage is used in this season. Randy has 15. I have 22. Justin has 25, and we got two in this one episode, so uh, it does bode well for Justin as the high number on the totem pole. So the current score is David one, Randy and Justin zero. Um, I thought it would be fun each episode if there was something you guys wanted to add to this game. Um, I kind of thought it, I, I kind of had the idea that since Gaius didn't appear in this show, that maybe we could have a uh, like an anti uh, appearance vote. Tor, if your character does not show up in an episode, you get a point. Uh, that, of course, does not count for this episode. It would be for episode three and forward. So Randy does not get a point for and not appearing. Uh, but uh, if, if you guys wanted, we could add that into the scoring system as well. Who's your support character? Wesley? I have Worf and Wesley. All right. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, it sounds fun.
2: That. I I think we each have a character that's gonna likely end up racking up some points. You know, right. just not being around very often.
1: Yeah. And and if at any point while watching the show, either of you think of a rule or something we can add to the game, uh, we can definitely add uh, add things to this game going forward.
2: Cool. All right. So David's in the lead. Uh, let's go ahead and rank this sucker. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick it off with an a nay. That's a decent. That's a decent
0: vote, Randy. <laughs>
2: Who wants to I'm, go next?
0: I'm inclined to agree with
1: you. That is a nay.
2: All right, David let's bring it home. Yeah, I,
1: I think it I think I think the idea has potential. I just think the execution was poor. And I, I almost want to say it was teetering on a year or nay. And then once we saw the only, I'm like, oh, this is a freaking nay. <laughs> oh, <it's> so <laughs> um, bad. I, I think I think I was a little kinder in the first season. We're in the second season now. I think I expect more. Uh, so yeah, this one is uh is a
2: is a pretty solid nay. Yeah, so that is a unanimous nay vote. Two episodes in a row. Looks like season two is not faring so well so far. But uh, you know, it is young. Episode three is is young. (laughs) Yes, and it's elementary deer data, and that's the name of it, uh eight point one stars, one of the higher-rated episodes for the season. Um, and here's the blurb. An attempt to provide data with a challenging Sherlock Holmes holodeck RPG scenario backfires when it's professor Moriarty character accidentally becomes self-aware that actually sounds fun, you know, and I do dig these holodeck kind of period piece adventures where they really get into being a character. And, um, you know, clearly it's rated pretty high. So it sounds like some people like it. I think, uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this one. This one, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic might be my first yay of the new season. So, uh, was well, it directed crossed. by
1: your boy, like your your boy uh, Rob Bowman?
2: Yes, and the uh, writer is Brian Allen Lane, which I don't think I remember seeing his name on the writers list. So I am going to say a negative on that one. So you never know as far as writers go, but uh, I am beginning to trust that Rob Bowman character, even though the last one that we did, episode one of this season, was kind of a turd. But um, yeah. Let's uh check it out and uh, you know give it a shot so I want to take a moment to thank everybody for listening and if you guys are watching Star Trek season Star Trek the Next Generation season two along with us thank you um, and uh, please continue taking this here journey with us as we go on to previously charted territory, but shit that we haven't charted in like 30 years so yay fun.